and we're glad you're here. Um, the last couple there were Cy and Lane Bagwell. They are members of Vintage who have moved to India and are serving on the mission field there and actually, I think, coming home around the Christmas time. So you, we're excited to have them come visit this way as well. So uh, good morning. If, if you were here last week, then you heard Steve talk about this term, lordship, which is kind of a Christianese term, but we're going to stay on topic this morning and, and kind of dive into lordship. And we're going to go kind of all the way back to the beginning place, to Genesis, as we, uh, as we start to look at that this morning. Because this is a, one of the interesting things to me in this is that this morning's message is so much, in some part, kind of my testimony of what God has been showing and leading me to because I grew up in the church and having been a part of the church and yet the more I grow in Christ and grow in my knowledge of Christ, the more I see that the gospel that I received even as a kid was just a part of what the fullness of the gospel is about. You see, I grew up kind of hearing that, you know, you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and then you get this essentially this ticket that you get to get in. You get the I get into heaven ticket one day. And you get to get into heaven and you don't want to go to hell. So you might as well get the I want to go to heaven ticket. And um, and that's kind of what I understood Christianity to be. And along with that, you get a moral standard, according to the Bible, that you're to live your life by. These are the good things. These are bad things. Do the good. Don't do the bad. And that was in large part my experience of understanding the gospel. And this morning we're going to look at the tragedy of that shallow gospel in light of the fullness of how much more there actually is to who God wants to be and how he wants to how he wants us to experience him in the context of this word lordship. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn with me, we're going back to the creation. Genesis chapter one. OK, now we're not starting verse one, but we are going to I'm going to read starting in verse twenty six. <clears throat> then God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over the earth and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Right. God created man, woman in his image and gave them responsibility, gave them a role to play in creation. And it was to govern and have dominion over the birds there and the fish and in the sea. Right. Fast forward. Now we get to the not so fun part. Genesis chapter three. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals and the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit of the tree? Uh, in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will be like God. Wasn't that? The plan. Wasn't that what God intended in his creation to form us in his image and for us to be like him? 
Every one of the temptations that you and I have experienced to this day, from that day till now, have all in some way invited us to kind of be like God. You can be like God, the serpent says, and know good and evil. You see, the very purpose and the very plan in which you were created, the very thing within the core of your who we are as people is to be in the image of God. And so here's a shortcut. You can be like God. Just eat of the fruit. And so she looked at the fruit and scripture says it was pleasing to the eye and it looked good, tasty, and it was good for gaining knowledge. So she took some and ate it and she gave some to her husband, Adam, and he ate it. You see, it's not that there was necessarily this anything wrong with this innate desire within Adam and within Eve to want to be like God. It was what that wanting to be like God got twisted into as the as the serpent tempted them. And from the moment they ate that fruit till now, we've lived with two thrones in our life. You see, God created things and there was one throne in mankind. And he, God, was creator of all and Lord over all. And so just to kind of define what is God's lordship. Well, God's lordship is where he is king and where he reigns. Wherever he reigns, wherever he rules and everything is in accordance with his rule, then there his kingdom is present. Make sense? Even if something, I mean, just go back to medieval times and imagine a, 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 a duke under the rule of a, of a king. And the duke became, you know, his opinions and his ideas became in opposition to the king. Well, there threatened the kingdom. Imagine it to be true in your life and my life. That here's the reality of Eve in the garden before this fruit and as she's being tempted, you can be just like God and his lordship and everything that is under his kingdom is under this this umbrella, for say, of happening the way he would desire for it to be. And that's his kingdom. You can be just like God, but just kind of come out from under that and do it yourself. And herein lies the fall. And it's the same fall. It's the same temptation that we're faced with today that. God may be inviting us or we may see something before us that absolutely seems like a good thing to our eye, to our mind, to our logic, to our reason. This seems right and this seems appropriate and this seems good. But is it really under the lordship of Christ? As we unpack this this morning, I want you to see part of the tragedy that is presented in the English version of the gospel. And what that tragedy is in in one of the tragedies, but one of that tragedy is, is that, okay, little context for you. The New Testament, as we have it, was not written in English originally. It was written in Greek. Okay, Jesus spoke Aramaic. Everything was written. He also spoke Greek. Everything was written, was written in Greek. Okay, so the Bible has been translated from its original language of Greek into English for us to be able to read. And in Greek, there's more than one term for life. In English, we're reduced to one word, life. In Greek, there's more than one. And part of the tragedy is that we have not understood as we read the Bible in English that there's more than one definition. And so the words that we're going to look at this morning is that this term bios, which is a Greek word. Where do we think what word comes from that that we're used to in our language? 
biology. Biology would be the study of living organisms, bios, okay? But there's another term for this same word life in the Greek, and it's zoe, Z-O-E, right? And your bios life is your physical life, your tangible life, your biological organism, and you have a created point and you have an ending point, and that is true in biology, okay? Zoe was not a created thing. Bios life was created. God spoke and things came into existence. Just go read the creation story in these few chapters, the first few chapters of Genesis. It was a created thing. Zoe life was not a created thing. It was the life in God. Your Zoe life is a spiritual life. And so, again, in the gospel that I grew up, well, you receive life. And you get to live for eternity. And, and there's just a grayness of what all that means. But the reality is, is that there's so much more that God intends for us to receive in this life. But somehow we don't know how to do that or what does that look like. And that's a part of what we're going to kind of dive into this morning. How do we then receive or live this Zoe life? You see, in the New Testament, as we look at those two terms, bios life and Zoe life, I'm going to just give you one one specific context. Bios life is never really referred to in a positive way in the New Testament. The use of that term is always in a negative sense of how we should not necessarily live. I'm just going to give you one example. Uh, You're all familiar with the story of the, the, the sower and the seed where Jesus tells this parable. He went out and a man went out and sowed seed and some of the seed fell on good ground. Some fell on the road. Some fell on rocks. And that's. A part where we're going to pick up. So listen to this. Luke chapter eight, verse 14. And the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's. There's that word. By life's worries, riches and pleasures. And they do not mature. But the seed that fell on good soil stands for those with noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it. And by persevering, produce a crop. You hear that? That bios life. Well, let me give you another example of Zoe life. John 10, 10. Jesus says the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I came that you might have life. Zoe. I came that you might have a spiritual life and have it in abundance. Do you hear the difference? He's not saying I came that you might have bios life and that you have it in abundance. You see, going back to what happened in the garden when the when the serpent is coming to. Eve and he's tempting her. She said, well, he did say, if we eat of the fruit, we will surely die. Well, they ate of the fruit. What happened? They didn't die physically. So is God a liar? No, they died spiritually. There is a spiritual death. There was a spiritual separation. So they didn't die a physical death in the moment. They died a spiritual death in the moment. And Jesus now has come onto the scene and he says, I came that you might have Zoe life. And have it to the full. Friends, that's good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. And this is good news that there from until this time in which Jesus came, there was not this Zoe life for us to for humankind to fully participate in. But since Jesus and since he sent his spirit to live within us, Zoe life created life, the life that created all other life is possible for you and I to have governing our lives. Up until then, all that we have known was to live life 
bios and to live life governed from a bios mindset and a bios perspective. So what do we do? We choose. We at that moment that they ate of the fruit, man and woman, humankind became independent. Self started to rule. It created two thrones in human in a human's life. There was the throne of self and there was the throne of God. And those two thrones are in conflict with one another. We see it in in Galatians chapter five. Let me turn to it. Galatians chapter five. You have your Bibles. You can turn there. I'm going to begin reading in verse uh, 16. I believe it is. Verse 16. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit. What is contrary to the sinful nature? They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want to do. We're going to turn over a couple of pages, at least two pages in my Bible and look at a look at a passage in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four. I'll begin reading in verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live. As the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, no longer live in the in the way in which the world lives, the Gentiles in the futility of the thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality. Uh, so to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ this way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life and living to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see the plan and there's this clear thread that runs throughout scripture that we were created to be like God. Then this hiccup, this problem occurs that we were separated by this choice that humankind made that Adam and Eve made to step outside God's reign and to start to choose to want to be like God on our own effort. Not under his effort. And there became this problem and this vein runs throughout scripture. The plan is for you to be like me. God says, be holy, Leviticus, be holy, just as I am holy. Prophets do not be like them. The other nations of the earth be separate, be a people called apart. And be like God, Jesus, Matthew six, the Sermon on the Mount. Do not be like the Pharisees and the and the hypocrites. Romans 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This Ephesians four passage, do not be like the Gentiles in the futility of their thinking. Their hearts were hardened toward God. And so there is this separation that they continue to live as though they are on the throne of their own lives, because there is this opportunity for you to live a new life. And there is only one throne in your life and God sits on it. If I had to title this sermon, it would be how now then should we live? Because according to Scripture, 
According to Scripture, we should live, if you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, I'm sorry, yeah, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. If you're a Christian, and this was part of the gospel that I didn't understand for so long. If you're a Christian, you're no longer, it's no longer your life. There's a spiritual principle that is true, that in in the, in the world, there has to, I mean, in the spiritual world, there has to be death in order for life to take place. Jesus says, unless a, unless a kernel, you know, unless a seed falls to the, to the ground and dies, it cannot produce, grow and produce a fruit. And let, if you want to be my disciple, then you must daily deny yourself, take up your cross, that means death, and follow me. I came that you might have life. But there's a death that has to take place spiritually for life to be able to take place. And friends, this is good news for you and for me. Because God is on your side and he has good things in store for us. And he does not sit up in heaven with a big hammer waiting to to hurt you and to beat you up. He's sitting there as God on the throne and wants to empower you to live a Zoe life that is a life of abundance. It is the life that we were created to live and we find life in him. We don't find life by sitting on the throne of our own selves. As we look at this, as we as we kind of dive into, okay, what then can this look like? What is this opportunity before us? Then we realize that there's a there's a death that needs to take place in order for us to find this life. And so there is this conflict between the throne we sit on trying to govern our own selves and the throne that God sits on. As imagine if you were to and you've probably imagined this before, if you're a Christian, you've imagined the day when you. Or the moment that you're you enter into heaven and we hear these this depiction of what God is like on the throne in heaven. There's this amazing, beautiful, powerful light coming from the throne and all the angels down their knees saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And there's a sea of glass and it's this powerful moment where I just in my own mind, I imagine just. Being in awe of God on my knees and just saying, joining with the angels saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. But friends, we live as though we enter into heaven in a daily opportunity and say, hey, nice throne, my turn, hop off and let me have a seat. Because we're governing our own lives. And then we govern our own lives through a bios mindset of how we see and what bios mindset is all about this life. It's all about self-preservation. You ever been in an argument? You were in an argument because it was about self-preservation. You were right. They were wrong. And you wanted to preserve your right to be right. Whatever you were right about. Bios life and bios thinking Makes everything about the circumstance in the moment. Makes everything about who I am. What do I think? How am I then to govern? You see, you were created by God with a role to govern on earth. It is in your nature. It is in the DNA, your spiritual DNA, to govern. 
The problem is when we govern outside of the Lord's plan, then we govern our own lives. And that was not his his plan. We become a God in our own lives. His plan was for him to be God and for us to be empowered and led to govern and to see his kingdom. Again, his kingdom is where he is reigning, where he is ruling. Right. So if we're living in this mindset, then when I enter into a room and I'm a Christian, then the kingdom of God just entered into the room. Are we living in that way? Are we living in that reality of seeing the fruit of the kingdom born by all the actions of our life? Or do we find ourselves thinking through and living from what is good for me and what do I want to do today? And how now then should I live? Well, I need to live sitting on the throne of my life and imagining what is right and imagining what is good and choosing a good moral compass and doing things what I think is right. And then say, God, this is what I want to have happen. Now come and sprinkle your pixie dust on it and empower it to be true. He becomes the puppet. And we become the God. And friends, I don't know about you, but that's only stolen and killed and destroyed part of my life. That's only created wounds for me to feel the pain of. But I've got good news. Jesus said, I came that you might have a Zoe life and that you no longer have to live with two thrones in your life. You no longer have to have this mindset of this bios. What is good for me? What do I think is right and wrong? And have that being the thing that dictates what you, how you live and what things look like. If you understand this principle that there, something has to die in order for life to take place, then you have this invitation by the Spirit of God, by Jesus Himself, who says, come and follow me. Come die to yourself. And I will give you life. How now then do we move toward this? How do we destroy? How do we step away from all that we've ever known in having these two thrones that are in competition with one another? And we are so accustomed to sitting on our throne and then speaking to God to say, come and move according to my reign, and empower supernaturally things to happen the way I see they should take place. I mean, is that bearing good fruit in your life? If you're anything like me, it doesn't bear good fruit. How then do we take a step in moving in this direction? Is that important? I mean, hopefully I'm not just standing up here speaking to you and casting a vision of this potential hope of that you can have Zoe life flowing in you and out of you and bearing kingdom fruit, but then there's no way in which you walk out the door and how to practice that. So I got a couple simple little illustrations this morning. One of them is this little button. Pause button. All right. So when you hit the Paul, that was a joke. All right. So when you hit the, when you hit the pause button, everything doesn't pause. But if you if you live your life having this in your hand, then whatever circumstance that you're in and trust me, try it in the big ones, the big conflicts, the frustrations, the things that really get you stirred up. Right. That's the place to really practice this and see. And as you practice this in the big ones and you see the fruit from it, you'll be like, 
Oh, I need to practice that all the time. And you should be able to walk around because what's happening in the big things is your mind is spinning and you are standing in the throne of your life and demanding your way and saying, look, I'm Lord. But if you can just pause that bios mindset, that way of thinking that is all about me and self is being enthroned and say, let me just stop. Let me just stop for a minute. Practical example. It's about three weeks ago. My wife can attest to it, even though I didn't share what I'm about to share with her yet. So we'll be curious to see the look on her face if I turn around and look at my wife. I'm just kidding. She will not like that. Um, Rebecca and I had been in a, an argument over something, right? I can't even tell you what the argument was. But in an argument, there are two parties that think they're right about their perspective. Anybody ever been in an argument? You're right. And you need to hold on to your being right and... Convince the other person that you're right. It's just pride, right? So I've just been in an argument again. Isn't it funny? I can't even tell you what the argument was, but I'm laying in bed and I'm like, okay, you know, the Lord's been working on me on this piece, right? For a while. And I was like, okay, my mind is racing, convincing me over and over and over and over and over again that you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. You need to just say again how you're right. You just need to, doesn't matter what it costs anybody else, you're just right. So just enjoy being enthroned about being right. Right. And I'm, I'm trying to invite the Lord to lead me in this. And so I laid in bed at night and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to keep thinking that I'm right. It's not producing anything healthy. It's just evil. Like when you come to the place of recognizing you're being right is evil. You have some hope. Because that's what my mind's thinking. I said, Lord, I just want to pause what I'm thinking. I want your kingdom to come. And that happens when you reign. So what do you want to have happen right now? Because when God is reigning, his kingdom is present. When I'm reigning, his kingdom is not present. How now then should we live? So I pause. I say, Lord, I want to quit thinking all the stuff that I've been thinking and all the arguing that I've been doing. I want you to show me. What do you think? What do you want me to do? And I just paused in my head. Right. Literally. And I just as clear as a bell. Five seconds go by of everything just kind of being quiet in my head, which is rare. And Lord said, you need to apologize. And I was like, oh. So I was like, okay. And I said, Rebecca, I'm sorry for X, Y, and Z, right? And it's like, okay, that hurt. And, you know, then it's just kind of still quiet. And she probably was asleep by now. And then 15 seconds go by. And I feel like I hear that same voice say, now say this. And I was like, oh, that's really going to hurt. Right? And... I was obedient and I said this next thing. And there was a humility that I had to submit to. To say, I'm going to act out of obedience and say this next thing. And when I said that next thing, friends, this is my experience. It was like for me, I can't say for Rebecca, but it was like for me, you know, how cold it's been at night. Somebody opened all the windows and a cold breeze just blew into the room. And the Lord just said in that same voice. The kingdom of God just came. 
And everything that had been hostile became peaceful for me. Because I wasn't suddenly, I wasn't standing here in living and thinking from a mindset of what must I do to preserve self and defend self and to make an argument for self. I was saying, God, I don't want to empower that throne. I want you to tear it down. I want you to be God. I want you to be Lord. I want your kingdom to come. So what do you want to have to take place? And he led me to a small, humble gesture. And in that gesture, peace entered the room. How now then should we live? Because if you're anything like me, friends, you stand over here, gavel in hand, banging it on anything that comes by and saying, I'm judge, I'm jury, I'm king. It's my life. Do what I command. What feels good to me? What do I like? What do I want? And you just keep banging away. How's that working? But Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it in abundance. Jesus said that his plan for us is that we have a fruit of joy and peace that comes. Well, that joy and peace comes because he has ended the hostility between the life that we were subjected to and born into and that there is peace between ourselves and the father. Look at how Jesus lived. Jesus lived saying, apart from my father, I can do nothing. John 15. I can do nothing. I am but a vessel. And I simply live throughout John. He says, I simply do what I see the father doing and say what I hear the father saying. He didn't come seeking his own advantage. He didn't come seeking wealth. He didn't come seeking self-protection. He didn't come seeking self-preservation. He said, I simply live in this completely dependent relationship with my father. And I'm here to have whatever he wants to be reality happen through me. So I live to say what I hear him saying and I live to do what I see him doing. Even to the point of that being death on a cross. He never lived for self. So if the plan is to be like God and that plan is throughout Scripture and he said, I came that you might have life and to have a life like me, be holy, be righteous. We don't look at the list of the things that Jesus did and say, those are the things we're going to do. If the list does not start with the reality that Jesus lived with one throne in his life, that he came fully as a man, physical bios man and had nothing but Zoe life govern his life. He came as a man saying, I simply obey whatever the life from my father says to do. I simply apart from him, I can do nothing. Even the miracles in which he did, he did not give credit to himself. He said, you want to know what authority I do these things, right? He said, it's by the by the spirit of God. If by the Spirit of God I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come. He didn't say, if by my own spirit, it's like Jesus has a God card, right? And he is, if anybody who's ever lived had the ability to pull this card out of his pocket and say, I'm God. Like a parent. Why do I have to do this? Because I said so. Jesus never pulled the card out of his pocket. He never said, because 
I'm the son. You do what I say. How many times have you pulled the God card out? How many times have I pulled the God card out? Because this is what I want to do. Because this is because we pull the God card out all the time. Jesus never did it. He was tempted in the desert by the devil when he was fasting. Come on, pull the God card out. Come on, turn this stone into bread. Come on, fall down from this place. And don't, don't you know that the angels will catch you? Jesus said, no, 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 no. I don't pull the God card out. I am here to live my life under the lordship of my father. And that is what man was created to do. This last week, I had another interesting moment. Again, I was in bed. I went to bed early because I had to get up early. And my wife came and woke me up. And I've been asleep for about 45 minutes to an hour. Now, anybody in here like getting woken up when they've been asleep 45 minutes? I do not like getting woken up, right? When I've been asleep for 45 minutes to an hour. And so, but she, she shakes me and is like, okay, we've got a little situation here. And, you know, one of, one of your sons um, is not having a good attitude, right? And, um, and I'm, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out where, where in the world am I? What planet am I on, right? And thankfully, by the grace of God, I said to her as she walked back out the room, if you need me, come and get me, right? Because that's probably not what I would typically say if I hadn't been praying about God, let your kingdom come, you know, right? And so she walked out of the room and literally the thought that went through my head, I kid you not, the thought, the, bo- the words that came, went through my head. If, if, if I have to get out of this bed, all hell is about to break loose in that kid's room. That's literally the thoughts that went through my head. If I have to get out of this bed, all hell's about to break loose. And just, just as clear as a bell, I just felt like God said, let me hit the button for you. Pause. Listen to what you just said. You are a son of mine. And if you have to enter into room, it is not for all of hell to enter. It is for all of heaven to enter. If you have to get out of this bed and you have to go into that boy's room, then all of heaven needs to come. You're talking about some conviction. Friends. We don't have to live with the mindset and the reality of our physical life and the self-protection of us governing ourselves and asking God to bless it to be the way we live. It is not then how we live. We live that we were we, we joined Christ in his death when we were baptized and he wants to come live his life through us. That it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives his life through me. And that's when Zoe gets to come onto the scene and it's no longer about me. So the fruit of it's no longer about me is be the fruit of my be the fruit. The, the fruit of it being about me is no longer the fruit of my life, but the fruit of about being about him is the fruit that happens in my life. So wherever I enter, the kingdom of God has come because I can go into whatever room in whatever workplace, whatever grocery store, whatever situation, inviting the kingdom of God to come on hand because there is someone who is going to say, not I live in my life and arguing and having my way, but what do you want to do? And the fruit of that will be love. Because that's the fruit of his kingdom. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you will abide in me, then I desire to bear bushels of fruit through you for my father's glory. How now then do we live? 
We live with this reality that we should be embracing a life that is not about us. I mean, are you like me? Do you make so much? Do you take yourself so seriously? Think about how seriously you take your own perceptions and your own thoughts and your own opinions. Is there a throne there? How now then should we live? Let me tell you how Jesus lived. Jesus said. Wow. I simply live to gaze upon you and to say, who are you and what are you up to? And how now should I join you in what you're doing? He lived single minded. As we see in the writers of Hebrews 12, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, that we should have a single mindedness that we are living just constantly with our mind's eye fixed upon who he is in view of the mercy in which he has shown us. This is what our eye is to be fixed upon. This is what our mind should be consumed by. And then when the rock of a circumstance gets thrown at you, you're like, oh, what was that? It didn't feel good, but man, look at the mercy God has shown me. Friends, if circumstances and difficulties and hardships are ruining your life, you need to get off the throne of yourself because that's what the throne of self does. It ensures that emotions will become your God. And whatever you feel like doing and whatever your emotions say is the right thing to do, you'll say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And Jesus says, no. He humbled himself and became a servant, even to the point of death on a cross. How much of our Christian lives are we living sitting on the throne instead of sitting to enthrone? Our response should be on our knees in awe of who he is, just like it would be as, as, you, as the mindset of entering into heaven. Who are we to say to him, get off the throne and let me have a turn? That's the invitation to the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is this opportunity to move toward and to continually invite the kingdom of God to come wherever we are bios physically present, that the kingdom of God can come and reign and reign through us. I was on the phone with somebody earlier this week and it was just like I was talking to this person. I said, "Okay." But I'm about to have to just I just I just feel like God wants to share some things with you. And I didn't know what I was about to say. And so I just said, can I just go off for a minute? And they're like, yeah, sure. And so I just started speaking. And the next thing I know, like I'm saying stuff I've never thought of before. And this this guy on the other end of the line is like, "Ooh, wow, that hit, man, that hurt. Right. I mean, it was speaking. It was I, it's way I what I believe. I believe the spirit of God. Life was flowing through me to minister to this other person. It wasn't me. 
I felt like a third party in the room. But I'm going to tell you, when I got off the phone, I was buzzing. I was like, I feel like a pipe and some life just flowed through me into this other person. Friends, that ought to be our life experience. That the fullness of God is flowing through us and life itself, Zoe, spiritual life, is flowing through us into one another and feeding and nurturing and building up and edifying other Christians of how now then we should live. But we don't do that. We sit enthroned of our own lives, closing off the end of the pipe and say, please come fill me up. Fill me up. Let me have some of that life. Just come fill me up. The filling up is not the plan. The flowing through is the plan. And God wants to flow. But you got to get out of the way and die so that life can come. So, in a practical sense, can you join me in this experiment of, Lord, put that pause button continually in my hand that I'm not running around letting my emotions get stirred up and acting on those. But give me the pause to let you reign. Give me the pause to, to ask you the question, you're God. What do you want to do? And you put new thoughts in my head that were not my thoughts. I was not thinking about apologizing to Rebecca. I definitely was not thinking about saying that next thing that I said. He put those thoughts in my head. They weren't mine in and of myself. That's the Spirit of God. God Himself interacting with you and leading you just as He led the physical person of Jesus Christ to live a life. You do not have to live any longer with the conflict between you being God over your life, lording over your life, deciding for yourself what is good and bad. Jesus said, I came to give you freedom. Come and be like me. The last thing I want to say to you is that Jesus is for you, not against you. And any hostility that you have between you and the Father in heaven that imagines or thinks about, the enemy loves to twist truth, imagines or thinks about God and God wanting to rule and God wanting to reign as a bad thing is something that the enemy is twisting because it's God, Father. Just like if I was helping my three-year-old son cook eggs... He wants to just go cook eggs and it's not safe for him to cook eggs. He's going to hurt himself. He's going to burn himself. And so I said, I'll cook eggs. You watch. Let me do this and you see what good comes from it. Right. It's in that same nature that the father in heaven says you can't live your life and govern your own life and not and that not be something that hurts you and hurts other people. Let me govern this because I love you. And this is what I created you for. And I will have rivers of living water flow through you and the very desires of your heart to reign and to rule and to have dominion happen on the earth will come because I've empowered you and I'm flowing living water out through you and everywhere it goes, the kingdom of God is ushered in and life starts to take place. This is abundance. I got it, bud. I'll take care of it. You just enjoy the show. You enjoy letting me rule, not because I'm a dictator, but because I've got nothing but great plans in store for you. 
If you just let me do this, this is how what I created you for. Any hostility of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a hostility because of not that we not that God is opposed to us and wants to be a dictator. God is for us. But any hostility of the gospel is something within us that doesn't want to surrender and let go and trust God. It's not a hostility from him to us. He is not looking to beat us over the head with the Bible and tell us we have to live by certain rules. He's saying surrender so I can give you life. Die so that life can take place. Any hostility is a hostility on our part. Saying, I don't want your life. Keep it. And friends, we live in a world that's screaming, keep your life. I'm going to hold on to my own. And he has a plan for you and for me to be kingdom bearers. Saying, wow. This God that I know has nothing but good and life in store for you. As we get off the throne. Surrender to his lordship. And watch life unfold before us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. That your ways are not our ways, nor your thoughts our thoughts. And your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are greater than all thoughts, Lord. How many times I have messed up and uh, and confused, messed up and hurt, messed up and and rejected your governance and just caused the mess of all the different relationships, Lord. But you are a God who loves and loves to redeem. So come, Lord. Let your spirit take over. Let your life that you came to bring become the fullness of reality. Lord, give us these these quick checks, these telltale lights, these flags that fly up. And Lord, I ask right now, won't you convict in a whole new way when our minds are off running our own life? Won't you just wave a flag in front of us and say, there's a pause button, there's a pause button, there's a pause button and invite us to a life of joy and peace. Regardless of the circumstance, they don't matter. Life is about eternity. A Zoe life is about glorifying you and about nothing else. And from that, life will flow. Right now, Jesus, I just pray that you move upon people's hearts, that you stir within people's minds and you create a filter for us to begin asking the question, how do you want to reign? How do you want to rule? And we will be people who quiet our own thoughts and say yes and amen and act upon the thoughts that you place in our heads, that we become obedient servants. We obey your plans and your rules, that we live our life to become like you and to live like you and to live completely dependent on having you in everything we're a part of. Let us live to be like you, Lord, and to know you. In Jesus' name. Right now, I just...